The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the future of webinar marketing. Joining us is Melissa Kwan, who is the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar, which is the leading automated webinar platform that saves people from doing the same webinar over and over again for sales demos, marketing contents, and onboarding. eWebinar turns any video into an automated webinar that you can set on a recurring schedule so you never have to do the same one twice. And in addition to being our guest today, eWebinar is also a gracious sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. Yesterday, Melissa and I talked about the B2B buying disconnect. And today we're going to continue the conversation talking about why the future of webinars is asynchronous. All right, here's the second part of my conversation with Melissa Kwan, the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. Melissa, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you back on the show and happy to continue our conversation. Yesterday, we talked about what's happening with our B2B buyers. They don't want to be sold to. They want to go and get the information and have the ability to self-service. And a big part of that is getting your content strategy honed in to put thought leadership in the places where your community is aggregating, getting on to G2, creating your blog posts, being contributors in hopefully popular podcasts. Gosh, I hope that's a big thing. But once you get past that, like, okay, I know you and you seem like you've got some credibility. There's the question of how do I get someone into my sales funnel? How do I give them the information that I would have gotten on a demo? Now, Melissa, this is kind of where you are a specialist. To me, the answer here is some sort of video, some sort of guided tour of what your products and services are. It lends itself into a webinar. But I think most of us think that webinars are this live, really painful, resource-constraining headache of an (laughs) event to put on. Talk to me about digital events. Should they be live? Should they be recorded? What is the future of webinars? Then it makes me think of a joke that I like to use in the past. I think it goes something like this. There are two kinds of people, people that hate running webinars and people that lie about it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a marketing joke and I like it. (laughs) I mean, it's true, right? I think anyone who's run a live webinar before, especially large scale ones, knows it's really exhausting. Like a one hour webinar is really kind of a one day affair, needing to prep for it and then do it and decompress. I mean, I think webinars are great. That's why they're around. And that's why Zoom is a company that it is. 
But there's just one massive problem, which is it's completely unscalable. So when we think of that live webinar, it's almost like that necessary evil, right? It's that one way for me to communicate with all my prospects, all my customers at the same time anywhere in the world. But how many of them can I realistically do? One a month, maybe? Look, you could do webinars multiple times a day. I do podcasts multiple times a day, but I'm not publishing them live. It's not like everybody has to hear them all at once. And I think that that's really a shift that we've seen through all different types of media. I'll start with the Netflixification of television. Everybody wants to watch their favorite shows. Do we have to watch them live anymore? No, Netflix becomes a multi-billion dollar company. Okay, well, let's think about the audio. Do I have to tune into the radio? Yeah, if I'm listening to a baseball game and it's happening in real time, for the people that actually still listen to baseball games, you got to show up when the game's happening. But look, marketing content, guess what? This is evergreen. You can listen to it today, tomorrow, do it on your own schedule. Podcast becomes this huge thing. Now, when we think about what's happening with our sales demo, it seems like there is a sort of similar process. I don't want to do my webinars when it's convenient for you, the company. And I don't want to watch my sales demo when it's a time that me and the sales team overlap. I want to do it on my schedule. So is this the same trend that we're seeing with the sort of on-demandification of our media and our content? I think, Ben, if you think about what kind of content must be live, there's very little out there that has to be live. I think there's this misconception that, oh, live is better, right? If I'm there answering questions for my customers, it means I care more. Well, the reality is a lot of people actually can't make that one live session because when you deliver your webinar next Tuesday at 11, which is when everybody wants to deliver it, maybe 10 or 15% of people actually show up. So how is live better when people can't even make it? So that's the trend is a lot of people, maybe they move over to video, but it's not as effective as a webinar, right? Because people want to go to a webinar and be able to engage. That's the ethos of a webinar is I can go to a webinar, I can register for it. There's a calendar invite. I block off time. I'm committed to that hour or 30 minutes, whatever it might be. And I'm there. You have my undivided attention and I get to go there and engage with you, ask questions with the host. That's simply something that a video just cannot do. And that's the trend that we saw. And that's why we built eWebinar to automate that process, to turn any video into a webinar. So let's talk a little bit about that. I think it's an important distinction of live webinars are valuable because of the interaction component. You have a speaker, you're in front of them. It's a one-to-many communication where you can broadcast to everyone at the same time, but actually have it be an interactive experience. Video, on the other hand, is a one-to-many form of communication, but there isn't that level of interaction, but people consume it on demand. So you mentioned eWebinar's sweet spot is this sort of asynchronous version that is kind of the middle layer in between that, where you can use video, but still have interaction. Just without making this into an eWebinar sales pitch, there's a host of other webinar platforms that are out there. What are the ways where you're using video, but still creating that engagement? My experience, at least with webinars, is a lot of them are pretty boring. If the host is engaging, your content is good, then you've kind of lucked out. But frankly, a lot of them are kind of boring. So when I was conceptualizing what could an asynchronous webinar experience be, how can the software engage the attendee if the host is not a good presenter? So what we designed within the software is the ability to program an interactivity. 
So things like polls, resources, questions, feedback forms, things that the attendee can actually play with. So the whole e-webinar experience feels more like a two-way interactive TV and less like a one-way consumption, which is a Zoom or a YouTube. So that was how we were able to inject interactivity within the viewing experience. And then on top of that, we layered an asynchronous chat system that allows people to ask questions and the host to respond in real time. Or if the host responds later and the attendee is offline, then they'll get the response on email, just like any chat support system. We are already used to this way of communication. It reminds me a little bit of what's happening in education. We're used to going to college, spending a lot of money, physically being there in a room with everyone. And now we're seeing the rise of online education, the Udemy's of the world and the Khan Academy, where you could still get this education, you could still have this interaction, you could still be quizzed and have all the evaluations, all these tools and technologies are being built around the education system that's making it so online education is at least as good and maybe potentially superior in some cases to going and physically being in the location. You can have the access to more professors that are more specialized in what specifically you want to talk to as opposed to who's there at that given time. You mentioned that there's a couple different types of interactions. Without going in specifically of how to create a webinar, talk to me about what actually drives engagement and what is the value out of that sort of interactive layer of the videos you're producing? I think number one is also their mindset going in. When you're comparing a webinar with a video, let's say a webinar versus a YouTube, When I go to YouTube, I know I can press play and pause and I can bounce and maybe I'll go back to it later. Maybe I won't. There isn't really a guarantee. But when you're in a webinar, you can't pause it and go away and come back. You are committed for that slot. So you have to sit there and watch until the end, hopefully. But when you are when you're also in the experience and there are things for you to engage with, you know, questions, polls, things like that, it just creates a much more interactive and enriching experience. That encourages you to stay, but also for the host, you're giving them a lot of data to understand who you are. And later on, they can figure out maybe how to follow up with you. So maybe you left before 50%, after 50%, you answer things a certain way. So not only is that great for the attendee, it's actually great for the host as well from a marketing perspective. You know, I think about everything that I've learned going through our sales process here in building the MarTech Podcast sponsorship program. You know, I've given our sales pitch 300 times in five years. I've had a lot of sales meetings, some successful, some not, let's be honest. But there's always thematic answers, right? Not everybody has the same questions, but generally they're digging for relatively the same information. And you can get towards some, for us, it's email templates that are, some people want to learn more about the pricing. Some people have questions about the syndication of our content. Some people want to know where we rank in the podcast app stores. We need to do more credibility building. You can kind of aggregate all the questions that your buyers have into these groups. Now, I know that and I can deliver that information in real time by actually being there in person. But when you're trying to scale what you're doing, you need to basically have canned answers. You need to have some sort of templates, some sort of interactivity to be able to modify what the sales pitch is to deliver the right information to your prospect. And that's not always possible with a pre-recorded video. So we're going to talk a little bit about that interactivity and about how you can create great self-service content in tomorrow's episode. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Melissa Kwan, the co-founder and CEO of eWebinar. 
Join us again tomorrow when Melissa and I wrap up our conversation by talking about how to create great self-service content. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Melissa, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Miss Kwan, that's M-S-S-K-W-A-N. Or you can visit her company's website, which is ewebinar.com. And you can also see how Melissa and I turned this conversation into a webinar by going to ewebinar.com slash martech. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, or you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.